say, let's take a relaxed attitude toward work and watch the baseball match. The Nye Mets are my favorite squadron. Mm, this is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 50, for the week of September 26, 2011. I am 7th Inning Stench David T. Cole, and I'm here with obsolete statistic Joe Reed, Aww. shortstop Tari Oriano, Grand Slam, and value over replacement blogger Will Leach. Go Colonel! <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome back to Extra Hot Great. Before we get into it, I have a quick programming note about last week's episode number 49. If you happen to grab it right away and you're wondering to yourself, how come I can't hear people at parts of it? Why is it so loud at the beginning? What the hell's happening? <laughs> this is amateur hour. Yes, it was for about an hour, and then I replaced that recording with a second recording. So if you happen to be angry and upset and sad about the last episode, <laughs> know that you can go back, re-download it, and be happy. It's true. I had to do that. Yes. Um, so welcome in our guest, Will Leach, Whoa. my esteemed colleague at Yahoo. He's uh, one of the two editors with Tim Grierson of The Projector, the movies blog, mm-hmm. which is a sister site to uh, The Set, which mm-hmm. Lindsay, our, my other esteemed colleague, was on two weeks ago talking about. And um, because of Will's background in mo- movie writing and sports writing, it seemed obvious that we should have him on this it's week true. to talk about money. But there was really no option. It's not like <laughs> it shows anything. It just sort of happened. And yet you did not care for it. Yeah, I'm the bad guy on this one. <laughs> Actually. Why are you the bad guy? Because everyone loves it. It's like this really? big success story. and yeah, Everyone it, loves it. It's kind of amazing. Everybody yeah. loves a triumph of math story. With. It's true. Everybody <laughs> does. Uh, it's funny, though. It's worth knowing that it actually made, the numbers came out today, it made less than Dolphin Tail. Yep. So, like, you know, yeah. let's not get too carried away. It's actually, right. like, one of Brad Pitt's lowest. It, it, it made slightly one. more than Dolphin Tail, apparently, in the no, end. Oh, in the, sorry, I thought it switched in the oh, end. Oh, did it? I think okay. It, I think, anyway. But, but, uh, but, Will, that dolphin is the bravest thing you've ever seen. Yeah. It <laughs> says not, it right in the commercial. There's really nothing like watching Morgan Freeman go Swim, you damn dolphin, swim. <laughs> Did you like my Morgan Freeman? Mm-hmm. That was good. No, that, was and, good. Uh, that was spooky. Yeah, no, I. Uh, it's funny. You know, I wrote about this in my review, but one of the things that I have a that I had a hard time with the a lot of people have been comparing it, if just because of the Sorkin thing, to uh, to Social Network. Sure. But like, I kind of feel like, even though yes, I am a baseball fan, so I know a lot of the details of what of I've read the book. I not only the book, but of course, the Moneyball Revolution is something that completely like changed baseball dramatically over the last ten years. Mm-hmm. So, but I tried to put that away from my brain uh, while watching the movie just like okay I just enjoyed it as this and the, one of my problems with the movie is that like there's no real consistent philosophy yeah. like like Brad Pitt's just kind of over here he's doing this thing he, you get a lot of Brad Pitt cool guy scenes he's <laughs> yeah. very good yeah. and he's very charming and he's, it's a great like great movie star performance that you don't see him usually he's got like a weird eye or long hair yeah. or, uh, uh, not that long hair necessarily makes you like a weird performance <laughs> but uh, uh, but it, it was no 12 monkeys yeah exactly but uh, <laughs> Um, but it's weird. It was, but it doesn't have this like you. You know what Mark Zuckerberg it believes and yeah. is right. in that movie. Yeah. It would be like like the equivalent of this movie is like if Zuckerberg like stops halfway through the movie and like tries transcendental meditation or like tries to like tries this and then <laughs> right. like it, it, it really. I feel like the movie is more interested in being entertaining, which it is, and I grant that it is entertaining than actually having any sort of consistent viewpoint. I suppose. So how does this? Re- how is it? Is that similar or dissimilar to the book? 
Like, does the book have a have that sort of narrative through it, or is it just sort of more of a nonfiction look at that whole world? It gets the the kind of the ethos of the book right, and that okay. these, these plucky underdogs who didn't get Lewis famously writes the introduction. I don't really know a lot about baseball, but I, I was trying to figure out why the A's spent as a financial writer. I was trying to figure out how the A's spend so much less money than the Yankees and still compete every year. Yeah. Now Lewis, I, Lewis is such an entertaining writer. His books are are very fun. They're also very kind of slap they love the story often sometimes more than the actual details okay. he loves those underdog stories that's like yeah. his thing and for for everything a lot of times it works I think with with, uh, with the big short it really works it's like that's my favorite book of his but like certainly with this there's all these details the famous one the baseball people uh, keep pointing out is that like well the reason the A's were so good that year is they had three of the best pitchers yes. in baseball yes. who don't who aren't even mentioned in the entire movie nor uh, Miguel Tejada the American League MVP <laughs> of that year who was mentioned a grand total of one time Yes, and played by Royce Clayton. If you're a baseball <laughs> fan, that's just embarrassing because Royce Clayton was no Miguel Tejada. Yeah. And so, like, it is, like, it's just, it does, it gets in a lot. The book is good at telling those little stories. The Scott mm-hmm. Hatterberg story, the Chad Bradford story, how this under, underarming guy turned out to, to be, no one else saw what he was going to be able to do. But it, the actual larger thing, it's a problem with the book, too. And it's a book, you read the book just like you watch the movie and you get inspired by this story and they mm-hmm. did it and they pulled this thing out. But the overarching, I think the movie's worse at it than the book because the book does not have a big baseball scene at the end right. because it's a baseball movie and it has yeah. to have a big baseball Well, that did scene. seem to be something in the movie that the producers really wanted to tell a Hollywood story in the context of this mathematical wonder formula that somebody (laughs) came up with and you know you can see it in sort of the tacked on daughter relationship which is extremely modular in the movie apparently that's the part that Sorkin had the most to do with I'm just saying no doubt and really could be lifted out and it really has no consequence in anything else that happened in the movie like Mm -hmm. he doesn't learn anything about humanity or anything from it like he in the movie you know has this moment where he just has to start firing people in order to make the formula work right Right. i mean that's sort of like these weird get up and go moments it's all in the service of this you know cold volcano logic of (laughs) of you know so of of the system he doesn't even learn very much like like he adopts the formula fairly early on and it's sort of it's there's no and it seems like he's just doing it just because yeah. Like, well, we tried everything else. Why not? Well, you know this why that is, thing? Joe, because it's hard to film a montage of the <laughs> math formula getting up to speed. Like, well, further, it's like one plus one, and it's like, you're the best. <laughs> and it's like over baseball, you know, and it yeah. keeps on growing the and growing. The cell document starts like flashing yeah. and I sweating. Say, I thought it did a better job than I thought it could have done in dramatizing what was essentially not only a mathematical formula, but for a team. That ultimately never went past the divisional round, but for once, um, several years after the events of the movie, I thought the thing with the streak, with the twenty-game winning streak, I thought that was a smart sort of choice to center it around. And I haven't read the book, so I'm assuming the book does. But that's also a point into the let's force the Hollywood story out of this by waiting history so that the winning streak was the crowning achievement. Sure, but I do think that was smart. I feel like it was already... I thought it was kind of a boring movie as it was, so I thought without that it probably would have been even more boring. Absolutely. Especially when they have all the business with... And again, I'm the person at this table that knows obviously the most about baseball. Of course. But um, when they're like, (laughs) all we we care about is getting on base. We don't want you to steal. We don't want you to do any of the things that make baseball interesting. (laughs) Like It's really just, let's boil it down to its essence. 
sense, you know. Which is why I like the Boston stuff at the end. I actually think that stuff works pretty See, well. See, I hated that. See, it's funny because... Joe is a Yankees fan. Oh, of course. But it's not so just because of that. Here's the thing, because in your review, you, you wrote about how the more you know about baseball, the right. less satisfying this is. And seeing this sort of epilogue at the end with Arliss Howard, who I love and who was Who great. I saw on the street yesterday. Yeah, how about that? Mm-hmm. Um, but so they have this thing where it's like, and then t- two years later, the Red Sox won the World Series by employing the principles of sabermetrics and unspoken <laughs> ellipsis uh, by having Manny Ramirez, who cost a billion dollars, and having Johnny Damon, who they spent 10 right. minutes at the beginning of the movie talking about was no good from a sabermetrics perspective. Like, mm-hmm. that's such fucking bullshit. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, one thing I do like, though, and this is another problem I had with the movie in general, is that, like, the, I think the Arliss Howard scene is. I'm talking specifically about the Arliss Howard things. I think mm-hmm. it's really good. I think like yeah. it definitely sells that kind of idea that like you yeah. did something different here. People yeah. will want this. People will will, will want to have this thing. And it's funny because in the book, one of the main reasons he doesn't go to the Red Sox is because of his daughter. Sure, it is because I think she has two daughters. And but mm. I'm not sure that comes across that much in the ex- movie. I was expecting to hear that. Yeah, that was going to be the thing. There was going to be some sort of payoff at the end. But, right. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah. also the idea that like he explains that Yarlis Howard has the you did something different. It's always going to people are always going to be scared like that. This probably coming dialogue from Aaron Sorkin, by the way, right. who's the definition <laughs> of the guy that's freaking <laughs> out by things that are new. Yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, but you know, like I think that's good. But I'm not still sure the movie really under understands what the philosophy is mm-hmm. and, uh, and I don't mean that as like it doesn't give Bean his due he, like Bean did not create this philosophy and of course the, I, it's funny because one of the things I actually find very entertaining in the movie is Jonah Hill I find yeah. Jonah Hill yeah, very great. entertaining yeah, in the movie very kind of toned down mm-hmm. very, yeah. very very kind of fun it, in that it is a testament to this movie that it actually made me like him yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't remember having that feeling before but I, I liked him thought... in the 40 year old virgin in his one scene Oh, oh right. He was the guy buying the shoes with the goldfish in the heels. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. But but yeah, so I think that works really well. I think the, yeah. it's it's definitely entertaining. It's hard to argue mm-hmm. that it isn't. Yeah. But if it, it feels like the choices that it makes I I honestly I was hoping someone here could explain the daughter thing because <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> and also the ending is like this very sweet little moment that has no connection at all to anything that's come before it. So. Right. Yeah, it, it was an odd it was an odd movie. It's one of those movies where after it's done you sit back and like who exactly was that for? You right. know, it's not going to satisfy, you know, the sport sports guys. <laughs> bros, bros, bros. It's not going to satisfy the bros, and it's really, right. you know, like there's and there's really no human story in here right. for everybody else. I mean, I her. think that was the point of the daughter is to like make him be a person yeah. who right. is doing things other than and that I mean, was effectively or not. I'm so sure dropped that was the in theory. With, with yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Which is funny because I think the human part could have been the fact that he was a failed player. Yes, yeah. like that. Like they touch sure. on that, but they don't quite go as much with that as perhaps they should. And yet it's like this has gotten gangbusters yeah. reviews with and people are talking about like Brad Pitt winning the Oscar yeah. for this, which I think is crazy. Yeah, he really except acted fact, his ass off in this. Except for the fact that he's Brad Pitt and he could because, you know, sure. who, he hasn't I mean, yet. But I mean, well, why this movie? Like, I don't, right. I don't understand. After seeing this movie, I kind of felt I really wanted to see a good documentary about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I can see why thing. this would be a better book than a movie because it's not, it's ultimately not a cinematic story. Yeah, it's a story I, I about, the, about process. I can't read a book about baseball. <laughs> no. no. I think you're underestimating, by the way, Brad Pitt's, how much he, how good he is at throwing a table <laughs> or <laughs> taking his uh, thank you, something and throwing. There was a lot around. of. I don't those, in were, a those were my favorite parts. He really sold me on driving through the oil fields. <laughs> of Oakland a beautiful the refinery Oakland. and yes. the docks. Oh my! One <laughs> other thing I wanted to bring up because you you mentioned it in your review is the uh, the second husband who's effeminate for no reason. Oh yeah, but that's really like it, yeah. we have to do something at some point yeah. on this podcast about it's like how so, that is such a type in the is. movies of like yeah. the pussy second husband or not yeah. in, just in the movies but like on Friday Night Lights same yeah. thing. Lila Garrity's stepfather too. 
Spike Jones played it fairly. <laughs> he was humorously. hilarious. Like, yeah, he was great. He was funny, but yeah, but he was, was not too. I mean, not big, but he was good. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was weird though. It was very weird. So Moneyball, perhaps not the most successful sports movie of our times, but uh, <laughs> what about? So what are what are our favorite uh, sports movies? Well, what's you got a favorite? You know, yeah, it's a hard question for you, maybe. But. Uh, to me, I think those are the only one that really counts. I, I like some others. Like their own is good, and uh, and Longest Yard, the original, not the uh, Adam Sandler uh, version. Uh, but but Bull Durham is the one that uh, yeah. that that's the one. It's a great that, one. That it it's fun because that's a movie that doesn't do what Moneyball does, which is we have to make sure that everybody likes this. We have to make sure that everybody understands this. We can't be too inside baseball. That movie, baseball fans adore that movie. There mm-hmm. are still these little things that, like, you watch a game and you're reminded of stuff of Bull Durham, which is yeah. kind of amazing that it goes backwards. That you'll never watch a game and be like, oh, that's like that point in Moneyball when he threw something <laughs> across the room again. <laughs> um, but Bull Durham is the one that, and it still holds up in a movie aspect, too. It's it's that, that, that without question, is my favorite. Well, and that can be the movie where, if you're a big baseball fan, that's like a great baseball movie. Movie. And if you're not so much, it's like, oh, it's that great Susan Sarandon, yeah. Yeah. Kevin Costner movie. Yeah, like that, both of them at like the peak of their powers. Yeah, like right, right, right before, right before Costner started to get off into uh, in, into into the, the water world. But yeah, not just yeah, them. The I mean, world. lots of great small performances from the supporting characters. Yeah. Even even um, Robert Wool from yeah. Arliss is <laughs> right. really really yeah. entertaining yeah. in that part. Yeah, he's really good. And what's your star? Well, it was tough because it's definitely it, I have two, but I'm gonna say. It's the more recent one, which is Whip It. Uh, I can attest to this because not only do we own it on Blu-ray. We do. But every time it's on TV, she watches it. There was one week where it was on TV three times and she watched it all (laughs) three times. Because I have TV on when I work and I've seen it before and I know which parts to look up at. What what is it about Whip It that you I mean, we can raise this one after we were all finished going around the horn, but it's, it's it's a, it's a, it's a, classic sports story in that it's you know an underdog coming to the to the sport completely um ignorant about everything and rising up through the ranks and having a triumph and being awesome and having her parents accept her finally and love her and getting her sister to even get into it at the very end you see her in a helmet meeting jerky dudes Meet jerky dudes. That's the downside. But then kick them to the curb, which is the great part. And and um, I remember when we went to see our friend Pam, past guest of the show, when she was still doing Derby. The first time we went to her bout, the halftime bit was uh, the littlest girls, like the the tiny, oh, like, like seven to thirteen year olds, oh like God, doing adorable. a doing a mini version of a bout. Wow. And Dave said at the time, you know, you th- it seems weird, but if you put your daughter in Derby starting at seven, by the time she got to high school, she would not take any shit off anyone. That's true. It's really right. true, yeah. and that's yeah. that's ultimately the message of Whip It. Yeah. Mm. It's it's inspiring. Yeah. And you, Dave? Um, well, first of all, I have a question, just on a technicality. Would you consider hunting a sport? <laughs> like, is it technically a sport? It is Would definitely that- not yes. for the deer. According to ESPN <laughs> on Saturday mornings when nobody else is watching television, yes. Okay, what if it's not, like, traditional out in the woods with a duck call hunting? I'm Furthermore, I have well, to in that case, <laughs> yes. Furthermore, I have to ask a question. What if you're hunting the most dangerous uh, game of all, uh, man? And what if you are an intergalactic predator? No? Uh, if I can't get uh, away you're with... You're not going to say surviving the game with Ice-T? I'm so surprised. Trespass. Um, if I can't squeak in predators on a technicality, which I realize is not a sports movie, I will have to go with... And I am not a sports guy. Mm-hmm. What? So, um, Crazy. I know. This is a big revelation. <laughs> I'm leaving. Did you hear that collective gasp on the world? Um, I'm going to go with Bring It On. 
Yeah, that was a, that was my second choice. This is a movie that I really didn't want to see, and uh, Tara made me see it with her. And by that point, I had seen it three times in the theater. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was one of those great low expectations over delivery, you mm-hmm. know, moments. And it is uh, surprisingly smart, very funny, stupid in all the right places and all the yeah. right ways. And yes. again, a pretty good message, and a really not to spoil it, but a really good ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I won't actually say what happens, but for the two of you that haven't seen the movie because <laughs> you just got out of prison or whatever is happening. I'm say, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> and inspired a hit musical. And also it has uh, Sparky. Sparky Pilaster, yes. Which is indeed. one of the greatest, you know, small one characters. One scene yeah. roles yeah. in history. Oh, yeah, yep. yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it's good. Like, I haven't seen, I haven't seen Bull Durham. In your life? Nope. Wow. Uh, I think I saw half of League of Your Own, maybe. Hmm. Um, so I'm I'm sports. I haven't seen Slapshot. What I know. Slapshot's a great movie. Everybody yeah, I like that. it. And you're Canadian. What's I going know. On? That's why I'm mentioning it. I'm just I'm just explaining that in case everybody's like, bring it on. What the fuck? I'm just saying it's one of about three sports movies I've seen, and right. it's my favorite. Of Dave, those. what about Rollerball? Rollerball is a really boring movie. Either one of them. It's a great concept. I yeah. tell you what the legacy of Rollerball is. It's a kick-ass video game for the Commodore 64. Mm. It's the finest uh, legacy of Rollerball. And the games that uh, were inspired by it, such as Speedball. Mm. Very right. similar to nice. E.T. in that way. Yes, it is very similar <laughs> to E.T. Uh, Joe? Um, well, quick honorable mention to uh, Field of Dreams, because I mm. am A, a boy, and B, have a father. So. Sure. But there's... It, <laughs> There's no interesting way to talk about that other than like I watch it every time it's on TV and I cry. Like yes. that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, like James, me and Whip It. And James Earl Jones is fantastic. Um, but I went with A League of Their Own, as a mm-hmm. couple of people have already pointed out. Uh, it manages to be both fantastic and well remembered, and yet still underrated. Where mm-hmm. people really don't give it the its due for being a really solid movie and really great about sports and yep. really a great like try as you might to resist the you know gina davis Lori petty feuding sister story you can't. it's so good and, and if you're if you don't choke up when the plane girl gets on the train and she looks back yes, at dad and he mimes oh my god that whole if thing. that doesn't make you cry you're dead and it's so funny her singing at the at the nightclub <laughs> great my favorite madonna performance ever sure. i mean of a shallow pool but whatever <laughs> you do quote that line a lot and i think it's my, in my at least top, definitely top five, maybe top two Tom Hanks performances. Ever. Nice. He's so good in that nobody ever talks about it because he won all the Oscars for other stuff. And that's right before he took off. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the time when you could get Tom Hanks Philadelphia to be a supporting Philadelphia was the exact character. next year. Right, right. Like, yeah. Uh, he's so funny in it. It's, yeah. yeah. When, he, when, he, when, he hits, when he hits the kid with the gloves. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that Come just on. kills me. So Still will, Angel. <laughs> my, my drag king name someday. <laughs> The one thing that I'll say, and it's funny that we, the three of us picked women's sports movies, yeah. is that it, it, I, I'm sure somebody at some point has written a thesis about why women's sports movies end with the protagonists coming in second. Because mm. that happens in all those movies. In all of those movies. I don't yeah. even remember if, if, how Bull Durham ends. Oh, well, yeah. He, I mean, it, he turns back. Out, it turns out that, that he ends up getting caught. Oh right, and uh, and then he comes back and is with uh, since Ren. And I I think that that's actually kind of interesting because I actually wrote a I wrote a piece about this about uh, about um, uh, uh, Michelle Kwan. Yes, uh, about how oh. like famously she, she like if she were a male athlete, mm-hmm. she would be known as the biggest choker right. of all <laughs> time. Despite yeah. Yeah, yeah, like she would be the one that every single time she made it to the biggest stage, mm-hmm. she couldn't do it, and yep. sports radio guys would go nuts over. But nobody actually thinks of Michelle Kwan that way at all. Right. Yeah. I think another example of why basically men's sports are not nearly as 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 frankly as good for the world. <laughs> but then on the other hand, that's sort of how Moneyball ends too, right? So I guess I'm saying yeah. the A's are yeah. girls. <laughs> but they sorry, still win sorry, the Oakland A's. <laughs> <laughs> Going from one 
topic to another An appropriate segue makes it smooth as butter so last week, uh, season three of Community began. Here we beca- go. Because <laughs> apparently we became the Community Watch blo- uh, podcast uh, yeah. last season. Keeping them honest, like- y'all. Keeping them honest. <laughs> we-, we felt like we-, we had some things to say about it. So Joe, do you want to start? I have I have two clips. One that was like the nadir of the episode for me yeah. and the other that was like the one thing that I thought was funny. I said this when the the clip of uh, a little bit of the musical number popped online. Oh, a that's few weeks funny. Ago. That was my first of those two clips. Shall uh, I? Sure. Sure. We're going to fly to school each morning. We're going to smile the entire time. So, <laughs> so there's Go ahead. that. Yeah. No, all, all I want, all I want is to be able to like this show like yeah. I did in the first season. Yes, I don't want to be too. the guy on Twitter bitching about this show. No. I feel like an asshole. Yeah. But like, then you get a number like that, which is so, there's so much of watching the show that to me, they, there's so much, the meta commentary gets so much mm-hmm. into why are don't more people watch the show yes like speaking to the very very few critics of this show talking about you know being less weird Mm -hmm. and it just weighs everything down that i can't laugh at it and i want to laugh at it because it used to be really good at making me laugh well the other problem that the show is having is uh letting dan Harmon do interviews which he shouldn't um we heard him on the mark maron podcast where there was a big long segment in the middle where he was like if I could make a show like Two and a Half Men, I totally would. But I'm not wired that way. It's like, all right, you're a genius. Like, yeah. you can't sell out. We fucking get it. And they even <laughs> had to put it in the song yeah. and do a song at all. Like, we know you right. hate Glee. We heard you the first 17,000 times. Right. And, and it just felt so defensive. And for a show that has gotten the critical tongue bath that it's gotten for seriously. the last two years, that kind of defensiveness is really off-putting. Mm-hmm. More off-putting I think even to me who already was kind of like shaky with it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I'm sticking with it because I love so many of those characters. Mm-hmm. I love Troy and, and Britta and Annie and even Shirley, but like it's, they make it so hard. <laughs> and quit trying to make Jeff out to be the new Pierce. There's already a Pierce. It's Pierce. And he's terrible. And take him out of the show. <laughs> he's dead. He's the deadest dead weight. Yeah. All of that said, this is the one scene that I thought was actually funny. This is Intro to Biology. I'm your professor, Dr. Marshall Kane, PhD. It took me 6,205 hours to get my degree. And I know, because I was only allowed in the library one hour per day at the San Vicente Correctional Facility while serving a sentence of 25 to life. Now let's talk about that word, life. Sorry, new phone. Switching to vibrate. Continue. It's really great. 
I stared at a crack in the ground of myself for years. And one day something grew from it. A single blade of grass. Mm. Vibrates louder than the ringer. Gosh. You know what? Turning it off. A living thing. Growing from dead stone. Get out! <laughs> <laughs> so that's a character I feel like I haven't seen before. Yeah. <clears throat> in a context like that. Yeah. And Jeff is at his funniest when he's an unrepentant prick. Yes. And it's fine for TV characters to be like that. See everyone on 30 Rock. And I think we can all use a more uh, Omar. In yeah. Well, there you go. Yes. Um, I have a proposal for both of you. Okay. <laughs> Stop Ray, watching the Ray show. Community. No, no, no. Stop I, th- I think it's just it. time to come to terms with the notion that community is no longer the show it started as. Yeah. And that it has sort of entered the internet sounding chamber mm, and is yes. taking a lot of cues from that, you know, chatter. Definitely. Yeah. And it's probably not coming back. Mm. I think you're going to get more just throwaway references to pop culture, reacting to pop culture instead of sort of creating it. Yes. Um, it's sort of like, whereas like, it's sort of like the same thing as the Aaron Sorkin discussion we had a long time ago, mm-hmm. where like maybe the best thing for the quality of the show is to actually just turn off the computer, make your show, yes, <laughs> and then yeah. turn it back on again, yeah. you know, or, or just don't seek out what everybody's saying because you know, there's something about making a show by committee, even if half the people are sort of like this nebulous, unpaid. If you're listening to them, it sort of changes the way you do. It. And I think for me, from what I'm seeing on Community and the Craftsmanship of it, they're sort of going for cheap stuff now. Yeah. Whereas I thought in the first season it was so character driven and felt so right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, we said before, they're going into this weird cartoony space, which I think are cheap kind of low calorie laughs, you know? Yeah. And uh, not to say that they're not unfunny, like the Doctor Who stuff and the parodies. They were like cute. Yeah, it was Yeah, that was funny. They were cute, you Mm -hmm. know, but still it just seems like, okay, it's a different show now. They found a direction they want to go. It wasn't a direction that we loved. Yeah. And it's probably right. not coming back, guys. Yeah, I'm sorry. Dave's right. <laughs> Dave's right, guys. <laughs> All right. You know what time it is, guys. It's time for the canon. And Will, our guest, what have you brought for us? Uh, I'm very nervous about this, by the way. <laughs> I'm, uh, Don't be! <laughs> excellent. Um, just do great and you'll whole, be fine. Yeah, that whole just part. make a perfect presentation <laughs> and everything will work out. <laughs> Well, um, uh, by the way, that whole conversation was an example of why everyone should just watch Parks and Recreation. And oh my so God, good. you're so right, and, absolutely. Uh, but anyway, okay. So, but I didn't pick something from Parks and Recreation. Mm-hmm. It was surprising to me actually that no one so far had submitted anything from my, other than perhaps Parks and Recreation and Breaking Bad, my personal favorite show on television. I think a lot of other people's, and that's Louie. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, uh, I, I, I sent it out to a uh, crew uh, to figure out, you know, what the one. We should be chosen for that, and I rejected all of them. So I think uh, Duckling was I think was the most faint, well, the most one people wanted me to use. The one where he goes to Afghanistan. Yes, the one I think that the one that I think and it is great. And but the one that I think is closest to capture what I kind of love about the show is actually Eddie, which is not. I don't know if that's necessarily very recent episode. Yes, and uh, this is the one where um, where he uh, Doug Stanhope. Uh, the comedian who is not an actor but mm-hmm. is actually very good in this episode uh, comes back to visit him and so the episode starts 
one of the things I like, uh, I always find funny about Louis is sometimes, like, when you, particularly when you read interviews with him, it's so disjointed and it's so put together in all these different ways that you you never know, you never know, like, what, did he think this was going to go last and this was going to go first? Did he just slap this piece of stand-up at the beginning when he didn't know it was going to think to it? This one definitely, uh, this one has a intro that clearly goes in with the rest of the show. I mean, sometimes you see a person on the street who's in a state of life that you couldn't imagine having the courage to live. You ever seen somebody? You ever seen a person and you, you look at them and you go, that would, I would just kill myself if I woke up like that. I would just kill myself. I don't have the courage. And it's a, it's a comment on me, not them. I couldn't live like that. I, got, I get to go like this. And if I had to go like this, I'd blow my brains out. I can't do it. I have only the courage for a perfect life. <laughs> Which is, uh, uh, I, I kind of love that. But I love, one of the things I love about that riff is that, like, I think that one of the things that he talks about sometimes is the idea that this is an exaggerated, Larry Davis is the same thing. This is an exaggerated version of me. This is just a caricature version. Yeah. But, like, it's funny because I, stuff like that and kind of this whole episode, here's one of the things I really like about Louis is that he's actually creating the show, this somewhat autobiographical show, while he's doing really well after struggling for a really long period of time. Yeah. So uh, it's not like it's necessarily some shtick, like he'll have his trouble with girl, women, and, and he'll have trouble with his kids. But, like, and what's funny is that he's still, of course, miserable. So, uh, but then he meets someone that's really miserable, which is uh, Eddie. Now, Eddie came up in comedy with Louis, but his career's clearly taken a different kind of path. Uh, after Louis does his set, which I also like when they do that, when his when his stand up goes into the real yeah. world, like when he went after the heckler uh, or in in the first season, um, uh, he, he Eddie is waiting for him backstage. He goes back to meet Eddie, talks to him for a bit, and we establish very very quickly that Eddie is an asshole. Right, and just to paint the picture because it's not mentioned in the clip, there is another comedian sitting yes. by them, kind of like the, joins the, the open He's, he's waiting to go on. Yeah. yeah, it's good to see him, man. Yeah. This, this is uh, Greg Grigel. Uh, this is Eddie Mack. He's a comic. He's a friend. We started out together. Cool. Nice to meet you, Eddie. What's up? Where do you work at? Of L.A.? Oh, yeah, because if it's not here, it has to be L.A. You know, there's a whole middle of the country. You know, the sewers of America, that's where I work. You know, places you wouldn't be welcome. Phony New York piece of shit. Hey, man, watch your mouth. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I offend you? Hey, I started out with this guy? Yeah. Yeah, I... we started out back in the days when people went on stage to be funny. And then he came here to have a career with dildos like you, and I worked the road, working shitholes for drug money, like real comics. Oh, I get it. So you're a road hack. Yeah, yeah, and I'm really proud of it. Okay. It was nice talking to you. So, Eddie, clearly a jerk. And mm-hmm. uh, Louis is still very happy to see... Uh, see seems happy to see him, but also very bewildered as to why he's there. As, so, as you are when you meet any super old friend that you've totally lost touch with. For like 20 years. Yeah, like exactly. it, It's really been forever. Like It's it, even the same way when somebody pings you on Facebook that, yeah, from high school. It's, yes. it's like that same yeah. sort of weird, happy, like why you, wish like, it never happened. And Louis is, I feel like, up until the climax, which obviously I'll get to, he's very, he's very reticent. And you can tell like he's he's just waiting. What is this guy yeah, want? What, is this what does he want from me? And which is funny. And Eddie is very aware of that, by the way. Like he yes. kind of, he enjoys kind of drawing it Keeps out himself. Keeps poking him. And so, so, but Louis, you know, he's in the show. He wants to catch up with, with with his own friends. So they end up going around and 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 basically because Louis now, you know, the last time they hung out, I'm sure they went out and drank all the time, the way that we all used to when we have we see with people we haven't seen for a long time. <laughs> Perhaps not to the level of actually like buying drinking bottles of vodka out of the front seat mm-hmm. and uh, or there's that or funny, in the store. Yeah, yeah. So that funny moment where uh, where he touches there's a little play toy in the front seat. And he's like, yeah, I wouldn't touch that. <laughs> I don't know whatever that is. 
So, um, but anyway, so like, so what, one of the things I found funny as, as a Brooklyn resident uh, is the idea that uh, Eddie says, "Hey, let's go hit like a club in uh, in Brooklyn." And uh, and and it, and he basically he says that like you know that it says as if like Brooklyn is the worst possible place that anyone would ever go. But we start that during the episode. Well, it's not the worst. Yes, it's not the worst. <laughs> Staten Island. There's it's open. Um, but anyway, so uh, but we meet. Uh, we start to get flashbacks uh, to the episode, which I always enjoy when there are actors to play young Louis because mm-hmm. they're always like. Kind of and it was really nice for Mark Zuckerberg to play. Louis. <laughs> of course, like, yeah. of course. Yeah. or is that Andy Samberg playing Mark Zuckerberg? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, mm. uh, anyway, so, so there's a moment where we we, we see them and we meet uh, back when they were originally young comics starting out. Hey man, what's up? I got some news. I'm gonna be on Letterman. Oh yeah. Yeah, I just got the call. All right. Well. Whatever. What? What? Good. Go to Letterman. What's your problem? I just thought we'd do this shit to get off and find truth, not to become famous glamour monkeys. Hey, man. Whatever, I... dude. Go be a star. And this this actually happens later in the than the moment. I, I skipped around a little bit to cheat. I felt bad. I, I'm linear by nature, so I felt, I felt <laughs> somewhat guilty. That's a okay. lie. <laughs> but uh, anyway, but so that kind of establishes that like these guys were in the way that I think a lot of people are when they when they're when they're young and they're both strive when they're striving for something. They see things in a different. They see things in the same way in that they see things as someone that hasn't succeeded. Right. So Louis, uh, in that moment, starts to, starts to get a little bit of the success. Which is funny because now, now Louis would look back at that success of being on Letterman as the, like at the time he thought was the biggest thing in the world, yeah. and now of course he would see it as this thing. It doesn't matter. Whereas Eddie was like being true to this and not giving him any sort of chance at all. Yeah. So anyway, so when Eddie decides to go to Brooklyn, they decide to go to this open mic, which they get exactly right in a lot in like every single kind of way. The sad, the sad open mic. I've guy. never been to an open mic and I could not handle it. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I, could, I, 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 I have I'd so have much empathy away. for people yeah. in those situations. I yeah. would just be in the fetal position in the corner in two minutes. But yeah. playing the host in the scene is Chris Gethard, who is in The yes. Stepfathers which, with past guests of the show, Will Hines. Right, who was UCB so great stalwart. when we went to UCB. He was song. hilarious. Yeah, I love yeah. him. And it gets the stand-up people too, uh, the people actually doing yeah. the open mics so right too, because they're just yeah. like they're they're bad, but they're not like grotesquely bad. No. They're just sad. It's they're just working really on. There's, there's one comic, a girl that she's she's a Russian immigrant, and yeah. she just has this line. It's not funny. It's just something she's saying. She kind of just stares for a second. It was just perfect. Well, and you also feel like these people, like if they had an audience that was interested in like responding to them might yeah. not be as bad as they are but they're just like they're getting nothing, nothing. so they're just giving nothing back and mm-hmm. it's just it's tough so eddie who's obsessed with failure as we're, we're starting to kind of discover about eddie which is frankly not all that different than doug stanhope as a comedian himself <laughs> and um he uh basically he decides he wants to go he wants to go on it's another nice touch by the way that immediately the open mic guy goes oh you're louis ck like he knows exactly who he is. He can, I can't believe you're in this shitty club yeah. that, that, that I run. So Eddie, so Eddie decides he's going to go on stage as uh, shitty McFat tits. I believe it's actually a shitty fat tits. Sorry, not I put it. I made him Irish. Uh, he's, really just, he's really just shitty fat tits. And uh, you put your anti-Irish bias on this guy. I'm sorry. So and of course now Eddie's been drinking the whole time. He's clearly like he's clearly screwed up. Clearly a disaster area. And then he goes on stage, and it turns out he's actually funny. Do you know how much stupid stuff we do just to get pussy? Sex is just so absolutely boring. It's such a one-note thing, and it drives so many people to do so many ridiculous, so many problems. Sex is not, it's not even like, uh, it's gross. You know, just break it down to what it is. If you're not in the mood for it, and you just, it, 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 it's disgusting. Do you, you ever watch porno after you come? 
I get a boner, it springs up on me randomly. I treat it like the medical condition that it is. And I, I drain it like a cyst quickly. Drain this off. No, just squeeze it off. 30 second MPEG. If you use U-Porn, be careful, because they track what you beat off to. It's, if you go up to the top of U-Porn next time you're on U-Porn and click on Recommended for You, they track what you beat off to. It's like Amazon. People who beat off to this also beat off to this. this and that. A lot of that stuff you're not into. How is, how is, yeah, yeah, how is cock and ball torture equivalent to uh, peeing on me? I don't want you to pee on me. It's gross. <laughs> that's gross. That's, my, that's not my favorite yeah. part of that little stand-up. That's gross. That's okay. Yes, that now you've you've hit the, your your point where you can't anymore. So one of the things I I think is very important to the episode that he's that certainly he's very uncomfortable on stage. He's not doing like you. He seems like a guy that would be a terrible comedian. But you can see what the initial thing of talent was and yeah. why he was so uncompromising and why he never let go of it and why Louis, in kind of his own kind of way, kind of make actually feel like he did sell out a little bit by by continuing to mainstream his act and talk about. Talk about more co- comforting things in a lot of ways. So eventually we find out why Eddie is here. Kind of. Uh, certainly Eddie, Eddie tells Louis that he is, he is going to do one show, I believe, in Albany. In uh, Maine. In Maine. Bangor. Maine. Right, in Bangor. Right, yeah. right. Stephen King country. And, uh, <laughs> and he's going to do one last show and then he's going to kill himself. Yeah. So why did he go to see Louis, this guy that he's not really been friends with for 20 years? And we kind of realized the real reason he went to go see him was because Louis has been successful and he wants him to somehow feel bad about it. So Louis, who initially... Well, one of the things I really like about about they have this talk under the under the Brooklyn Bridge, and Louis does first does the instinctive no man you can't do that like the thing that I think any of us would do, and then of course he gets kind of pissed off about it, yeah. and then it kind of leads into to the uh, one thing one thing that's really great about this by the way, and I read the, in the, during the, the the great Louis uh, interviews with the AV Club about that when we went through the whole season, mm-hmm. he talked about how when he when he was writing this part, he was actually thinking of Doug Stanhope, who was this like this kind of road comedian. So he, he when he asked him about the part, he was like living in a trailer outside Phoenix or something. He thinks yeah. and uh, yeah, just he seems like when you see him on the episode, it seems like the guy that would live in a trailer outside of Phoenix. Well, he was just on Marin, and it does kind of sound like yeah. he still does. Yeah, yeah, he he will show up sometime on Breaking Bad, like just uh, accidentally <laughs> in the back. As an expert, <laughs> and, and uh, so so they have they kind of have the uh, so the th- thing I thought was really good about it was that like I I knew Doug Sam, but I didn't know he'd never acted, and he's legitimately really yeah, good. Yeah, he at is this. good. And and so they ha- they kind of have this talk, and it leads to lo- to one of, the, one of the great things about it is that they have this talk, and I, we only I, I really would love to run the whole thing, but Lord, this has been going on long enough already. <laughs> this is so, good. So, uh, <laughs> but basically, you're your own worst critic. Well. Yeah, they 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 have this <laughs> that can't possibly. be true. <laughs> When I leave the room, keep the mic on, and we'll see. If you are a worse critic of Will's work than Will, please contact us at Extra yes. Hot Creek. Yeah, but do not contact no, don't. me. Don't. At William F. Lee, um, but anyway, so they, they have this talk on the bridge, and it leads to Louis kind of understanding what this is all about. Louis, look me in the eye and tell me I have one good reason to live. No. See, you got nothing. No. No, I'm not I'm not playing that. I'm not doing it. What do you mean? I mean I mean man. I got my reasons to live. I worked hard to figure out what they are. I'm not just handing them to you. Okay? You want a reason to live, have a drink of water and get some sleep, wake up in the morning and try again like everybody else yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tough love. No, no love. Okay, more like tough, not giving a shit anymore, Eddie. If you want to 
if you want to tap out because your life is shit, you know what? It's not your life. It's life. It's life is bigger than you. It's if you can imagine that life isn't something that you possess. It's something that you take part in and you witness. <laughs> you, are, you are so excited right now that you get to give the big speech. I, you would love to be the guy that talks this loser who you never think about out of suicide so you can feel better about yourself. This is not about you, Louis. This is just me saying goodbye. It was nice to know you when I knew you. You know, you're laying this shit on me because... Interrupted and have yes. a good laugh after. Yeah, that. which is a really great kind of way to end that too. Particularly because it's clear that he's about to say, "You're laying this shit on me because I've had success and you haven't." Yeah. Like I think it's clearly what he's about to say, and that to me is like one of the things that that whole scene is 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 just so honest and kind of representative of the show as a whole. And that like there aren't any kind of like easy answers or any kind of like there's no moment where Louis like you know what this guy just never did it and I did it and so on. Like there's also a moment like Louis is self critical in the whole idea. He's also like the idea the the, the first season had that episode with him and Matthew Broderick where they joke that he's a bad actor yeah. and he's so good in this scene. Yeah, he he's like so legitimately good in it. So like I, I, the reason I love this episode so much, it's so much about that idea. It's 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 really kind of, it's clearly comes from a very honest place of writing and this kind of like self-critical of I made these decisions to get to this point and I wouldn't change them, but I know there's a little part of me that yeah. kind of wishes I was like. It does seem very honest too, because I think there would be a temptation when you're writing that scene to overwrite it or make it more eloquent than, yeah. than it should be. Yeah. And he didn't. And I think that's sort of a testament to like that. He really knows what he's going after. I think we can have a discussion later about what exactly he's going after. Cause right. that's my big question. Not necessarily about this episode, but about the series right. in its entirety. But, um, I think like you're absolutely right. Like he is a really honest writer and it really shows through in, in, in this scene. Definitely. Yeah. And the way that it ends is great too, because it ends with someone, people walking by and they realize, Oh, we're just two grown men yelling at each other drunk on the street, yes. <laughs> which is a very New York kind of thing in the general. Uh, like I, I really, this show has a definite love for the city that yes. is palpable, yeah. even though they're so, anti-Brooklyn apparently <laughs> uh, but uh, it has a very much love for the city so that is my submission to the canon Great. it's, uh, it's, it's Louise Eddy um, well what I was going to say is is you know sort of piggybacking on that you know is this the show that I loved when it started thing that we were talking about with community I sort of had that in the middle of season one where they started wow you got it early huh <laughs> well this is why is because at some point you know after uh, a few episodes, they introduced the sort of what I call the Louis Light and Dark going off uh, six feet under. Sure, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. going to watch an episode. You don't know whether you're going to get comedy Louis or drama Louis, right? Is it going to be a comedy or a tragedy here? Right. And it's curious that he doesn't mix them up that much. Like, he never does. He, this is not Curb Your Enthusiasm when it's a comedy. But there are definite ones where you can say, okay, this is, you're now going to be serious. No, we're in Afghanistan. But, you know, and, and but here's the one where there's a you know a, the four minute long fart right yeah and so <laughs> i don't think they're very crisp columns but i could put most episodes in one column or, or the other and if i were to explain that to somebody's never saw the show i bet they would roll their eyes but 
he kind of makes it work. And the problem was in the first season is the first time I remember that happening was with the, what I consider a really bad episode. The religion episode. The, the flashback to his Catholic upbringing yeah. episode. Which that's my I, least favorite episode of the whole series. Absolutely, mine too. And that's why that's, and it started this thing in my head where I'm like, oh, just be funny because I really like you when you're funny and that's what you're good at. You're good at telling life stories and the human condition through your comedy. So Jesus Christ, just stick with that, won't you, buddy? <laughs> But then he got good at the other half of it. And yeah. I think he really proven that he can tell these other stories. Uh, the question is, you know, is it better that he has this stark separation? Or is it just that is the way he approaches writing? He doesn't want to mix the two that much. I know he I know it's not all serious and all funny right, for right. all the episodes he does. But um, it's just curious. And I think he finds a way to make it work because his writing is so honest. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, I, I feel like there's a real humanist streak that runs through all of it. And you, fe- you know, you fe- at least you feel like you know who he is as a person based on the, the, the subjects that, that come up on the show. And I've, I've complained in the past about um, half-hour shows that get classified as comedies that aren't, right. like The Big C right. or, forgive me, Nurse Jackie, where it's like they, they're, they, they seem like a, you know, a bucket of gimmicks more so than something that's right. telling a true story about recognizable characters acting in recognizably right. human ways. And even when a, an episode of Louie you know, those kind of qualities are, you know, cranked up to 11 for the purposes of satire or making a point. It always comes back to a level where you you, you can recognize people acting like people. Yep. And even in something like this, where, thank God, I've never been in the position of somebody <laughs> telling me that they were going to kill themselves. It was it it's it it was very human, a very human moment between both of them. And the uh like you said, the moment of the, them sort of getting interrupted by the people yeah. fighting because everyone's been in that mm-hmm. position yeah. before, and and um, and you know it, the, you didn't clip it, but there's another moment where Eddie tries to pick a fight with Louie by saying like about your wife, and then you abandon right. her, right. and you see Louie. Weren't like, you going to help you, people in the World Trade right. Center? Yeah, and you <laughs> see Louie's face like yeah. just change, and he's like, I'm not going to engage with this because it's going somewhere, yeah. and you know I, I I can't I can't really justify. You're right. It somehow it works, and it, not in a way, any way that I can explain. Um, but I think this is a, a tremendous episode. Well, it's a credit to him that he managed to take a show which was everybody thought was going to be this comedy show, and he yeah. made it something a lot more. Right? Yes. I mean, it really is a really good take on life and everything he does it. And sometimes yes. he has to approach it from the comedy stance. And some, yeah. Sometimes the drama or the tragedy side of things. And, and it and the, works for him. Yes. And it might also just be that this is not a show with a writer's room. It's a show with one writer. Right. Right. Yeah. That's him. Like, one this guy who is, goes in a room and right. comes back six months later and he's, here's 10 episodes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And and you cited that Afghanistan episode which is another great example of the, the blend of like a real dramatic moment plus a plus real comedy. Yeah. Um, and and this one is another, but the another com- high but point But the comedy the moments in the, in the, you know, quote, dramatic episodes are are realer than say like yeah the wacky totally st- they're not contrived he, he he allows wacky comedy in the comedy episodes and he yes. allows true moments of comedy in his dramatic episodes like there was nothing goofy in the in the afghanistan episode but there was good yeah. moments such as meeting the christian cheerleaders and yes. stuff like that that provided some lighter moments mm-hmm. but that felt real yes um yeah i think when i say like a show isn't for me that's not like a value judgment on the show. I feel like I can recognize watching an episode like this, that this is clearly like, this is pushing boundaries. This is doing things that not other, you know, all these other shows aren't doing, or maybe even can't do that. He's actually, you know, so such a unique comedic voice that he can, you know, pull this stuff off. 
Um, and I do think that Louis C.K. is very funny in a stand-up. And the show, I think I've seen, while well, I haven't seen all the episodes, I think I've seen enough to sort of get that, like, I get what you're doing. It's, like, respectable. I just don't respond to it. I don't... Uh, this kind of episode where you're, you know, you're a comedy, you're capable of, you have really good comedy, and then you do an episode that, that is this, uh, actively depressing. <laughs> um, but it's feels- also worth noting, too, that, like, I'm not sure he's really ever going to kill himself. Like, I think that, like, I always keep that in mind. Yeah. That he's kind of just kind of fucking with him a little bit, maybe. Like, you don't actually know. Sure, yeah, no, I can see that. I just... Not that that makes it any more uplifting. <laughs> no, I- <laughs> He's probably still alive. The real Doug Hans. Stan Ready? Hope hasn't he's killed himself yet. In the original right. cut of the episode, the, uh, the, the ending is... Yeah, right? <laughs> I don't know, I just... I, I, couldn't help but feeling the the word that kept popping into my mind was gratuitous that like okay mm-hmm. this is you know i sh- i don't know gratuitous like it felt like a lot it felt like okay here's how what's the easiest way to get you know my comedy program beloved by you know critics everywhere oh. which is Ooh. be a really funny person who talks about how depressing like your life is. Is this you know the I mean? comedy equivalent of playing a disease? Well, I feel like commu- this is where this ties into my thing about community too. Where like the episode where uh, it's Troy's birthday and they go to the bar, and then the whole thing becomes about just how sad everybody's life is. And it's like, oh, it's brilliant, and it's just like you know, we don't we don't agree, we don't agree in this episode, but I totally get where you're coming from because in in a weird way, I feel the exactly same way about shows like Real Housewives of whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? True. Not in that no, they're depressing, right, but right. they are so. On me, yeah, and, and, I, and I can't get into these yeah. people because I just they they are unentertainingly whatever, yeah. whether and it I, be right. drab, depressing, right. or uh, you know uh, shallow on yeah. the other side. But uh, I get, and I and I also can see if you didn't if you don't watch the show, picking this one out yeah. at random, yeah. it right. would seem gratuitous. Like I get I get where you're coming from. Yeah, because if you'd yeah. seen the whole mass of it, you would see it would feel like part of a bigger picture. Sure, that's not to that's not to criticize your your view of it or well, say that it's wrong. No. Just that like if you had the, a different context, it would be and, a different experience. And totally, and I've been on the other side where I've been trying to totally. sort of explain that like <laughs> trying to explain how one epi- isolated yeah. episode fits into a bigger context yes. and fits so much better. It's such you're it is at hard. the bottom of a huge 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 hill yeah um i just i don't know i i respect it and mm-hmm. i respect him yeah i just can't connect to it Fair all enough. right so that sounds like a no vote from joe yeah tara how are you gonna go yes yeah i'm also gonna go yes and Woo. as you know you only need <laughs> two <laughs> out of the extra hot grade three so louie season two episode 10 called eddie you are hereby inducted into the extra hot great canon Nicely argued. Yes. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. It's time for winner and loser of the week. And Tara, who be our winner? Last week we talked about New Girl and how, speaking of the internet echo chamber, how she's uh, one of the internet's biggest foes for whatever reason. I mean, I know the reasons, but uh, (laughs) she can tell the whole internet to fuck off because her show not only did amazing last week when it premiered on Fox, even with two weeks of it being available for free on the internet, but it built on the Glee lead-in. Yeah. So congratulations to Zoe Deschanel. Tara, she would never tell the internet to fuck off because she's too sweet and perfect. She would tie a bow on it and give it a cupcake. (laughs) 
And Joe, who's our loser? Uh, same network, loser of the week is Simon Cowell, who's mm. X Factor. Uh, didn't entirely tank, but really, really disappointed in the ratings and making it seem all the worse. The entire first maybe 10 minutes of the first show was all about how Simon Cowell has returned to television and he's with gracing us face. with his present with his, <laughs> his new face. Um, here to save whatever, like musical talent shows from Steven Tyler. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and not that he's worse than Steven Tyler, but man, that kind of ego uh, does not, cannot bear the kind of opening that X Factor did. Yeah. All right, guys, it's time to wrap up the rest of the week in the segment we call, wait for it, the rest of the week. Glee producer Ryan Murphy wants to make a musical movie starring Gwyneth Paltrow, which I assume is actually the cover for a top secret experiment to measure how much the public can hate a pop culture product before it even exists. Nope. That one dude from Firefly who's now on Pan Am came out in Entertainment Weekly. More like Pan Am I the guy from Firefly who just came out in EW? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Confirming Gordon Ramsay as pictures of Rupert Murdoch. Romancing a platypus. Fox announces a fourth Gordon Ramsay show. Nope. Nevermind is 20 years old. REM is broken up and flee from Red Hot Chili Peppers is probably going to have a stroke soon because you're old. Nope. <laughs> uh, rumor has it that Patty Jenkins, who directed Charlize Theron in Monster, is being considered to direct Thor 2. <laughs> the bad news is that she plans to cover Thor's torso in ugly pockmarked makeup. <laughs> the good news is that Thor's, to- Thor's torso will win an Oscar. <laughs> nope. The CW is developing a reality show called Extreme Musical Chairs. It's like musical chairs, but the loser has to eat a bowl of glass while bungee jumping into a volcano. Nope. Barry Levinson is turning his film Diner into a musical. In addition to the price of the ticket before they let you in, you must pass a 140-question quiz about football. Uh, Blake Lively might nab the lead role in the movie version of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Blake, don't make me have to come back here in five months and lecture you about not dating the zombies. Nope. (laughs) Moneyball was beaten at the box office by The Lion King, nope. but managed to gross more than Dolphin Tail. Take that, you fucking robot dolphin. Yeah. All right. Except it didn't. Well, it was it up did. for debate. The numbers are set. <laughs> All right. For the purposes your, your of podcast. Point, your point stands. For the purposes of <laughs> for podcast comedy. Excuse me. <laughs> All right, guys, enough of this tomfoolery. Do you know what time it is? It's game time. It's game time. Joe, I, oh my in gosh. the in the soundboard seat. In the soundboard seat. Oh my Dave, god! Dave, so in the nervous. player seat. I'm not feeling as psyched as I uh, was last week, but well, I'm going to give it a good college try. All we know about this game is that Joe, the first run Joe took at it is was the uh, way, way, way too hard. This when one's he, still when kind he of too hard. It. <laughs> one thing before you start, Joe, yes. I have a correction to make from last week. Uh, I got an all caps email from Grantland's David Cho informing oh. me that it's not Coruscant; it's Coruscant. Well, so You've been now, you, now you know. <laughs> I got chode. Okay, um, so this game time, uh, I figured because we're talking about Moneyball, sure. this, I'm calling it Money Hall. Oh. Um, H-A-W-L, or H-A-U-L, sorry, it's bad oh. enough that I didn't care to spell it correctly. It's having halls. Yes, um, <laughs> uh, rather than the normal sort of uh, obscure elements of movies, I'm giving you guys uh, three... Movies, television shows, albums, whatever. You need to place them in the order one, two, three of the amount of money that they made. Oh my god! In various contexts, so you'll understand it as I'm reading the questions. All right. Um, Questions one through twenty-one. You each take a turn. Um, 
you get one point for every slot that you get right. So if oh. you if the answers go one, two, three, and you give me three, two, one, you still get one point for getting the two, one right. I yeah. see. Okay. All right. Hmm, so, interesting. Uh, Will, you are our guest, so okay. you can start us off. Pick a number from 1 to 21. Um, I'll have... Th- Ooh, there we go. <laughs> I'll have 13, please. Okay, number 13 is... Okay, rank the following movies that came out in the year 2001 in order of most money earned. A Beautiful Mind, Moulin Rouge, and Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky, Moulin Rouge, Beautiful Mind. Um, sorry. Uh, a Beautiful Mind, Vanilla Sky, Moulin Rouge. Wow. Yeah. Well, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you wanted me to. No. Just... <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, Tara, you go. Nineteen. Number nineteen. Look at him on the board like a pro. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, number nineteen is rank the following Woody Allen movies. In order of most See, money, bad picking. sorry, well, uh, <laughs> most money earned after adjusting for inflation. They all um, made fourteen dollars. <laughs> Annie okay. Hall, Hannah and her sisters, Midnight in Paris. Um. While Tara's thinking about that, can I give you a little trivia on number nineteen? Yes. Uh, last week, because I know Tara always picks nineteen, I, I, I uh, or the, the the last week that I did it, I made nineteen particularly hard. Just to- <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Annie Hall, Midnight in Paris, Hannah and her sisters. Yeah! No, sorry, you get one right. Oh. Uh, Annie Hall is correct in the first slot. Okay. Hannah and her sisters made more money than Midnight in Paris. All right. Hmm. Would you have known that? Uh, uh, I, I, I might have Joe, I like to go with first. number two. Number two. Number two. These three movies opened on the same weekend, June 30th, 2000. Rank okay. them in order of the most money earned. All right. The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, uh-huh. <laughs> The Patriot, uh-huh. The Perfect Storm. Mm. Perfect Storm, Patriot, Rocky and Bullwinkle. That your answer? Yes. Correct. Three points. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, Will. Score break Looks zero. Like I... Score break zero. Sorry. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 Looks like zero. I picked the wrong week to stop being cocky, guys. <laughs> <laughs> really? After one question? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, number uh, 17. Number 17, The Spread Eagle. The Spread Eagle. Um, following movies were the top three movies of 1991. Rank them in order of most money earned. Beauty and the Beast, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, T2, Judgment Day. Terminator Ooh, 2, Judgment Day. Ooh, that's tough. That's a toss-up. Uh, T2, Judgment Day, Beauty and the Beast, Robin Hood. Uh, one point. T2 was number one. Uh, Robin Hood was number two. Beauty and the Beast, number three. I would have put Beauty and the Beast number, two, number one. Mm. That's what I know. T2 uh, was a big, big deal. Yeah, it was. Tara, yeah. pick a number. Uh, 11. 11. Rank the following dance movies, well picked, Tara, oh. in order of most money earned. Center oh. stage. Okay. Save the last dance. Step up. Um, save the last dance. Step up. Center stage. Three points! Yeah! Well done. Uh Uh-oh. Pressure's on. (laughs) I'm going to pick uh, number 12. Number 12. Even dozen. Rank the following musical artists Uh. by the average ticket price for their concerts across the last 12 months. You too. You make an an educated guess. (laughs) Lady Gaga, Uh Stevie Nicks, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Who's Taylor Swift? Is that the old guy from, uh, from, yeah. Team Jacob? No, that's, that's the other one. She's the one I'm going to go uh, Gaga. No, I was telling him. I know you know. Swift, Nicks. 
zero. Oh! Sorry. It's Stevie Nicks with a whopping $101.56 per ticket. Old Lady Gaga and then Taylor Swift. That's true. Old people who love wine. This All is right. Jimmy Pardo going to see Stevie Nicks for yeah. no good reason. I'm going to take a score break. Oh, perfectly executed. Uh, Dave, how many points? I still have three from my awesome first try. <laughs> Will, how many points? I have one from my not-so-awesome second try. Tara? Four. Four points. <laughs> All right. Her awesome cheat. Very close. I'll All take, right. uh... Good picking. Four. Four. In 1987, Stephen King placed three novels on the bestseller list. Rank them in order of highest selling. The Eyes of the Dragon, Misery, and The Tommyknockers. What was the Eyes of the Dragon? That was one of the, the like fantasy one that yeah. he did that I never read. Uh, Eyes of the Dragon, Misery, and, well, and the third was Tommyknockers. Uh, okay, I'll go with uh, Misery, Eyes of the Dragon, Tommyknockers. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, the Tommyknockers, then Misery, then Eyes of the Dragon. Every time I hear Tommyknockers, I just out think of... Did, out did Misery? Yeah. That's shocking. Yeah, Every time I hear Tommyknockers, I just think of the uh, Saito Bob moment from... Oh, <laughs> yes, madam. Tommyknockers. <laughs> Um, 21. Sorry. 21. Da, da, da. The Joe Reed Memorial number. Yes, exactly. Uh, rank these Broadway productions in order of highest all-time gross earnings. Ooh, okay. The Lion King, Mamma Mia, and Wicked. Glad you um, took this one out of contention for me, Tara. Mamma Mia, Lion King, Wicked. Zero. Yeah! Uh, Lion King, Wicked, Mamma Mia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Joe, I'm going to pick number one, if I may. You may. These three movies opened on the same weekend, October 16th, 1998. Rank them in order of most money earned. Beloved, Bride of Chucky. 1998. 1998. Is that what I said? I heard 88. Sorry, 98. Beloved, Bride of Chucky, Practical Magic. I only know what one of those things are. (laughs) Beloved? It's Beloved, right? That's the one. Is the one with Oprah. Is the one with Oprah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Bride of Chucky. And Practical Magic? Is that the one with Bette Midler? No, that's no. the one with Sandra Bullock. Nicole Kidman. You're thinking of Hocus Pocus. Pocus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to go uh, Bride of Chucky, uh-huh. followed by Oprah, uh-huh. followed by Hocus Pocus. Mm. Ah! All right. Practical Magic, number one. Bride of Chucky, number two. Beloved, a distant number three. I'm surprised it even ranked that high. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Will. Uh, number nine. Number nine. Okay, this one. All right, follow me here. Oh, dear. (laughs) The following actors have played U.S. presidents or otherwise notable Americans. Those otherwise notable Americans or presidents have their faces on dollar bills. Uh Uh-huh. Rank these actors in the order of uh, the denominations that their presidents are. I understand. I understand. The actors are Dan Florick of Law & Order fame. Yep. Fred Thompson and Tom Wilkinson. Whew. Okay. Um, uh, that's a. That's a this is this is like a three stager. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So while he figures out his answer, I'll explain the process. Yes. First, the presidential rocket is launched from Cape Canaveral. <laughs> the booster rocket detaches, and all the presidents in the cockpit are afforded a beautiful view of space and perhaps the moon if the trajectory is right. Your answer will. Oh, well. <laughs> that's awesome because now I know. All right. Uh, I'll go with uh, Thompson Florick Wilkinson. Um, Tom Wilkinson played Ben Franklin, who's on the hunt. In John Adams. In John Adams. Fred Thompson played Ulysses S. Grant in Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. Really? And Dan Florick played Abraham Lincoln 
in the secret diary of Desmond wow. Pfeiffer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that one? Yeah. Uh, Tara. Uh, six. Number six. Number six, rank the following greatest hits collection, starting with the highest selling of all time. Okay. Abba Gold, The Beatles One, and Madonna's The Immaculate Collection. Uh, Beatles, Abba, Madonna. One point. Beatles, number one. Madonna, number two. Abba, uh, number three. Dave. That's, that's gotta, incorrect. <laughs> pressure's on. I really got to get a two, three-pointer, or I got a three-pointer here. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, 20. 20? 20. 20. 20. Rank the following songs in order of most money earned via iTunes, <laughs> iTunes downloads. Uh, Black Eyed Peas, I Got a Feeling, CeeLo's Fuck You, Lady Gaga's Poker Face. Mm. Uh, okay, so Gaga, Poke... No, this is not my answer. Poker Face? Yep. Fuck You. Yes. And what was the other Black one? Eyed I Got a Feeling. Ugh, just Mazel Tov! Okay, Fuck You number one. Uh... Uh, Gaga last and whatever the other one was in the middle. Uh, incorrect. <laughs> Damn it! Black Eyed Peas number one, Lady Gaga number two, Fuck You number three. Oh, I thought Fuck You would be a big di- iTunes download. It was given it was- away for free for a while. Yeah. Alright, oh. it's also got a vulgarity. And it has a vulgarity. Uh, Dave, what's your score? I still got three from the still very first three. one. Will, what's your score? One. This game is hard, Joe. Tara. Five. Oh. I'm just gonna start saying just, one, just two, whatever three. order you put them in and I will improve. All right, Will, you are up next. Mm, number 14, please. Number 14 says, rank the following movies on the all-time box office list, but adjusted for inflation. Avatar, Star Wars, Titanic. All-time, you say? Star All Wars, time. Titanic, Avatar. Three points. Hey! Oh, nice. Star Wars with $1.4 billion is number one. Very nice. Sarah. Um... Three. Number three. Rank the following reality shows in order of the cash prize they awarded in oh. their first season. So just okay. the cash portion of the All prize. right. Yep. Big Brother US. The Mole. Top Chef. Um, from greatest to least, right? Yes. <laughs> Big Brother Top Chef Mole. Uh, the mole was number one with five hundred and ten thousand dollars. Five hundred and ten. Because they accumulated oh, money. Oh, you as they dickheads! Went. Anderson Cooper, you son of a bitch. Big Brother was five hundred thousand, and Top Chef was one hundred thousand. Uh, sixteen, please. Number sixteen. Rank the following documentaries in order of most money earned to least: Fahrenheit 9/11, An Inconvenient Truth, Supersize Me. Ooh, uh, Supersize Me. Hmm, what inconvenient truth and what was the other one? Fahrenheit 9-11. Fahrenheit 9-11, inconvenient truth. Super sad. Uh I'm gonna go Fahrenheit, super, inconvenient truth. One point. Fahrenheit was indeed number one. Inconvenient truth number two, super size me. Really? Hmm. I would have put them in the same order you did. Yeah. Uh, we will expect numbers to back up this <laughs> price of uh, Waterhouse Cooper, <laughs> Draper, and somebody are going right. to validate all this. Uh, number seven, please. Number seven. These three movies opened on the same weekend, June 25th, 2004. Uh, they are, once again, Fahrenheit 9-11, The Notebook, White Chicks. 
Fahrenheit 9-11 White Chicks The Notebook. Three points. Three points. Oh, look at this. Look what's happening here. Oh, my. <laughs> the boy nobody loved will win the Super Bowl. So we're down to our last three. No, we're not. Never mind. I take it back. Tara, why don't you pick one? I will pick ten. Ten. Rank the following horror movie reboots in order horror of... Horror movie. Horror movie okay. reboots in yep. order of most money earned. Yep. Wait, what's the alternative? Horror. Okay. We like horror movie reboots. Movies about we're just people talking who enjoy about white chicks. Yeah. Pretty Teresa woman. No, okay. Um... <laughs> Friday Las the 13th, yep. Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street. Reboots. Reboots. The, the the very recent ones. Halloween, Nightmare, Friday the 13th. One point. Friday the 13th, number one. Nightmare, number two. Halloween, number three. All right. Dave. So what do we got? Three left? Right? No, we have... I, I have each of us will have one more after you. Oh, okay. Oh, four left. Yeah. Right. Yes. Okay. Uh, Joe. Yes. I would uh, like number 15, please. Number 15. Yes. And of course, 15 is not about music, right? It is not. It is topical, according to our movie from this week. Rank the following Brad Pitt movies mm. in order of most money earned to least. Uh, Legends of the Fall. Yeah. Ocean's Eleven. Troy. Uh, hmm. Troy, Legends, Oceans. Mm. Sorry. Oceans, Troy. Oh, really? Legends of the Fall. Ocean's Eleven, $183.4 million. More than so Troy? Well. More than Troy. It was only shocked. 133. That movie kind of bombed for being that a makes me sad. Uh, score break. Uh, I have four. Dave has four. Will. I have seven. Seven. Tara. Six. Six. Oh. Into the home stretch we come. I like the bills. I'd like to point out. <laughs> I'd like to Matt, <laughs> going by money ball rules, it's still any ball, anybody's game. This is true. I could still tie. You could. I hope you have a playoff. <laughs> oh, I do. That okay. is the principle of money ball. It's always anyone's <laughs> game. I get on base is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I'll take number eight, please. Number eight. All right. Here we go again. The following actors have played U.S. presidents in film or television. Oh, no. <laughs> These presidents have their faces on coins. Rank the actors from the denomination high to low. Hal Holbrook, Nick Nolte, John Voight. Okay. <laughs> wow. What money is Mark Twain on and when was he president? <laughs> no, that was the, you know, the guy, the wink from the end of Anaconda when he's regurgitated by the snake. That's on like the $2 coin that they just minted. <laughs> so the problem is it's I called think the it's- winker. How much for that pack of bubblegum and a Coke? That'll be two winkers, sir. <laughs> Four dollars? Stop um, throwing Will off. Okay, sorry. I don't actually even know who's on any of these coins, so okay. here goes. Um, I mean, I know. I think I know the actors. I just don't know what the coins are. Okay. Yes. So here goes. Um, Holbrook, Nolte, Voigt. One point. Okay. Hey! Okay, that mathematically puts me out of the game, but Tara... Voight uh, played FDR in Pearl Harbor. He's on the dime. Yes. Nolte played Thomas Jefferson in Jefferson and Paris. He's on the nickel. Mm. Holbrook played Lincoln in North and South. He's on the penny. Sarah. Um, that was pretty good for uh, playing guys. Very good. I had, totally had, I just, I had the names right. So you have way. eight and Tara has six. Yes. 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 Eighteen. So you got to get them all. Tara needs a three-bagger. I do. All right. Rank the following Pixar movies in order of most money earned. Finding Nemo, Toy Story 3, Up. Not going to overthink this. Mm -hmm. Toy Story 3, Up, Finding Nemo. One point. Toy Story 3, (laughs) then Finding Nemo, then Up. Oh, Oh my. Dave, want to round us up? Yeah, I do, with number five, please. Number five. Rank the following Russell Brand movies in the order of most money earned. (laughs) 
Wait, is that there the are more Ar- from two? Arthur? That guy? <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, Arthur. Yeah, okay. Get him to the Greek. Yep. And Hop, where he voiced the Easter Bunny. And made a cameo. Uh, in that order. You're saying Arthur, get him to the Greek, and Hop? Yep. One point. Hop in first, then get him to the Greek, then Arthur. So... <gasps> Oh boy! This I I got in the cannon and I won. That literally, how often has the guest won before? (laughs) Just once before, right? Isn't Mark the only one who ever Mark? Yeah, Mark Blankenship. Wow, this is a good day. Well done, congratulations! Congratulations. Good game, Joe. That was a good game. It was tough. I was worried it was too hard, but I thought it would be rewarding. It was challenging. Okay. But and I, now we all know things about coins and presidents. <laughs> <laughs> I would re, uh, remiss if we didn't acknowledge the fact that this is the season just ended. And even though the last two games were basically exhibition games, yes. the reason because they're exhibition games yes. is that Joe clinched the season did he ever? early on. He, did. he sure did. And so, Joe, you know what you get? Yes! Of the tiger. <laughs> Congratulations, Joe. That means an exciting new game time season starts with episode 51. All right, guys, that's it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We discuss whether the Brad Pitt baseball spreadsheet movie Moneyball put an integer (laughs) in the A column and whether or not to sort that column ascending to descending or vice versa. (laughs) Then we finished the jock talk with uh, our favorite sports movies. We graded the season three premiere of Community and Will brought us Louis' hilarious suicide episode, which was inducted into the canon. We crowned winners and losers of the week, wrapped up the rest of the week, and... Oh my goodness, Will was a winner of Game Time. And Mr. Joe Reed takes the Game Time season. Indeed. Please follow us on Twitter at Extra Hot Podcast and on Facebook for updates on showtimes. And we'll also start posting our lead topics in case you want to watch them before you listen to us. If you have a submission for the canon, I am not a crackpot, or is this worse than jazz, please record it and send us our way. Go to extrahotgreat.com for all the details. Remember, we're listening. I am David T. Cole on behalf of Tara Ariano. Home run! Joe Reed. Sports, 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 sports. sports, sports, sports. (laughs) And Will Leach. Seriously, go Cardinals. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll see you right here next week on Extra Hot Great. Right, you ever get too proud of yourself for just not being a piece of shit? If you see somebody in a store who's got a thing, whatever it is. There's not supposed to be any negative version of anything for anybody. They had a creative amount of limbs. (laughs) And you saw them, and you just scanned the room. You didn't go, boo! You just kept going. You just kept, that's them, and you just went... You didn't go, ah! You just kept going. And then you're, like, excited, like, oh, I am an angel. Oh, there should be a statue of me in this spot letting that person have the same just regular day that I had. 